Allow me to take you on a journey real quick. The year is 2004. You got served, just came out. We doing it for Lil Saint. Yes, sir. Back like Jordan wearing the faux five. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 20 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel. 20 of them things. 20 up and 20 down. Man, it's 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 cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um, you know, obviously in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot. Like, um, you know, when you think about other established platforms and shit, and they have like a hundred or two hundred, three hundred episodes. But shit, man, twenty weeks straight. And y'all fucking with me, man. I appreciate all the love. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for liking, for subscribing, for sharing, for supporting, um, being active and engaging on the social media platforms. Um, it's it's cool. It's cool. That's all I can say about it. It's cool, man. It's cool. And, um, you know, in this 20-week process, in this 20-week um, journey, if you will, it's been like, it's been great. It's been great. It's been nothing short of great. So I'm really thankful just to be able to make 20. Right. I was really thankful just to make one. Then really thankful just to make two. And now here I am at number 20. So it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And we're going to keep it going. We doing it for a little saint. It's episode 20. I'm here to fucking pod today. We doing it. We doing a damn thing. So let's go. That was Pump, Pump, Pump It Up by Joe Budden off his self-titled debut album, Joe Budden. And I, you got served, man. That's when I really like, that's like the, first of all, it's the best dance movie ever made. And like, with um, if you guys don't know, it's dance movie um, about street dancing um, with B2K, which was Omarion. Um Little Fizz, Raz B, and J-Bugs with Marcus Houston. Steve Harvey was in it. Megan Good was in it. Lil' Kim was in it. Uh, I can't remember. Some other notable people were in it as well. But that was one of the best dance movies ever. And um, Pump It Up was featured in it. That was the first time I actually heard Pump It Up because Pump It Up came out a year before the movie came out. And that was the first time I heard it, and they were dancing and shit, and I was like, oh, shit, like, and Do It For Little Saint is from You Got Served. Um, basically, there's a little boy who hangs around the dance crew, and he's tragically killed, so they dedicate their final dance performance to Little Saint, and they say they do it, and so it's Do It For Little Saint. Whenever you want to overachieve on something, you do it for Little Saint. That's where the term comes from, so. 
Shout out to you guys, Servant. Shout out to Joe Budden. I also fuck with Joe Budden heavy. I love his podcast. I love the shit he does in this in this talk space. He's 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 killing shit, man. I respect it and I like what he's doing. So shout out to you guys, Servant. Shout out to Joe Budden. So now it's time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast, Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is the segment I like to do at the beginning of each show just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, people, and ideas come from the Bronx, New York, the borough that I love. So, your Bronx fact for today is, founded in 2005, the Bronx Children's Museum is the borough's only cultural and educational institution designed to inspire children and families to learn about themselves and the diversity and richness of their surroundings, as well as the, bur- as the world beyond. Currently, a museum without walls, the Bronx Children's Museum serves almost 18,000 Bronx residents annually through innovative mobile programming. The Bronx Children's Museum engages children and adults in the arts and sciences using its bus as a roving learning environment. The museum also has temporary exhibits and ongoing after-school and summer program throughout the borough at community-based organizations, schools, shelters, libraries, local festivals, and parks. That is your Bronx Fact for episode number 20. Yes. Yes. Damn, son, where'd you find this? So we get right to the shits. Um, I first want to start by saying, one, I'm here to fucking pot today because it's episode fucking 20. And um, I want to take a little time and respond to um, a little bit of uh, uh, things that I've received in my social media um, over the past week. Um, last week on the show, I briefly talked about uh, vote.nyc which was a resource to new york city residents to use absentee ballots to vote um on uh, to vote for the july 23rd state and federal primary election june 23rd i'm sorry not july june 23rd elections um and basically how i just think that voting is important right I didn't think much of it. I just thought, hey, I know about this information. This is a great measure to use, especially with the coronavirus. So you don't have to be in close proximity to so many other people. You don't have to negotiate a very long line, etc. You can use this measure and make sure your vote gets sent in and counted. And you don't have to go through the runaround of just a normal voting procedure. And I just thought that was some regular degla shit, right? I didn't think much of it. Um, but... You know, I received a few detractors, I suppose, in regards to my statements on voting last week. And a um, few people sent me messages saying things like, there's no point in voting. They sent things like, my vote doesn't count. Like, my vote doesn't make a difference, and I don't like these candidates. Now, before I address these things, I want to say that, number one, all the identities of these people remain anonymous. I'm not that kind of person. I would not put people's identities on the street. Two, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. And three, I would never expect people to always agree with the things that I say or that I believe in, right? Because everyone has their own mind. Everyone has their own thought process. Everyone's life experience is different. So things that I say that I believe in, 
I wouldn't expect 100% of people to believe in it. That's just poor thinking, right? Um, so I just want to make sure that that is set as, as a point of order. Um, you know, I would never expect everyone to agree with everything that I say. I would always believe that everyone is entitled to their own opinions and no one's identities will be revealed in this. Now that all that's being said, to all those people in my DMs, shut the fuck up. Shut up. That opinion, in my opinion, is so fucking ignorant, dog. It is so ignorant. It is so annoying to hear. And it gets on my nerves so much. It really does. It really annoys me that people have such a low opinion of voting. And that they really, truly believe that their votes don't count, their votes don't matter, that they won't vote because they, quote, don't like candidates or they think that there's really no point in it. So allow me to read you some information because that triggered me. And I was like, I want to handle it firmly, but I also want to do it on the basis of fact. I don't want to just spew my opinion on it. So I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read you a few things, actually, because I'm here to pot. God damn it. I'm here to fucking pot today. It's episode 20. The Voting Rights Act of 1965, signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson, aimed to overcome legal barriers at the state and local levels that prevented African-Americans from exercising their rights to vote as guaranteed under the 15th Amendment of the Constitution. The Voting Rights Act is considered one of the most far-reaching pieces of civil rights legislation in U.S. history. After the Civil War, the 15th Amendment ratified in 1870 prohibited states from denying citizens the right to vote based on race, color, or previous conditions of servitude. Nevertheless, in the ensuing decades, various discriminatory practices were used to prevent African Americans, particularly in the South, from exercising their rights to vote. During the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s, voting rights activists in the South were subjected to various forms of mistreatment and violence. One event that enraged many Americans occurred on March the 7th, 1965, when a peaceful protest, when peaceful participants, I'm sorry, in Selma to Montgomery March for voting rights were met by Alabama state troopers who attacked them with nightsticks, tear gas and whips after they refused to turn back. Some protesters, some protesters were severely beaten and bloodied. Others ran for their lives. The incident was captured on national television. In the wake of the shocking incident, Johnson called for comprehensive voting rights legislation. In a speech to a joint session of Congress in March, on March 15, 1965, the president outlined the devious ways which election officials denied African-American citizens the right to vote. Blacks attempting to vote were often told by elections officials that they have gotten a date, time or polling place wrong, that they possess insufficient literacy skills or that have filled out an application incorrectly. Blacks whose population suffered a high rate of illiteracy due to centuries of oppression and poverty often would be forced to take literacy tests, which they sometimes failed. Now, listen to what your forefathers went through. That doesn't hold weight. Our heroes, our ancestors, our forefathers fought, were beaten, and fucking died for this shit for us to vote. Yet you disregard it. You say, fuck that. 
Fuck that. I'm, psh, psh, fuck all that. I ain't voting. Fuck that. Even though your forefathers were fucking beaten, dogs were sicked on them, fire hoses, attacked with tear gas and whips just for trying to vote. Okay, fine. That doesn't sway you. How about this? I'm going to introduce you to a term called voter suppression. Voter suppression is the strategy used to influence the outcome of an election by discouraging or preventing specific groups of people from voting. Voter suppression attempts to reduce the number of voters who might vote against a candidate or a proposition. The tactics of voter suppression range from minor changes to make voting less convenient to physically intimidating or even physically attacking prospective voters, which is illegal. Voter suppression can effective can be effective if a significant number of voters are intimidated or disenfranchised. In 2013, discriminatory voter ID laws arose following the Supreme Court's decision to strike down Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act, which some argue amounts to voter suppression among African Americans. In Texas, a voter ID law requiring a driver's license, passport, military ID, or gun permit was repeatedly found to be intentionally discriminatory. Other controversial measures include shutting down DMV offices in minority neighborhoods, making it more difficult for residents to obtain voter IDs. Shutting down polling places in minority neighborhoods systematically deprives precincts in minority neighborhoods of the resources that they need to operate efficiently, such as poll workers and voting machines. In 1998, Florida created the Florida Central Voter File to combat vote fraud documented in the 1997 Miami mayoral election. Many people were purged from voter registration lists in Florida because their names were similar to those of convicted felons who were not allowed to vote at the time under Florida laws. According to the Palm Beach Post, African-Americans accounted for 88% of those removed from the rolls, but were only about 11% of Florida's voters. According to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, nearly 89% of felons convicted in Florida are black. Therefore, a purge of convicted felons could be expected to include a disproportionately high number of blacks. Prior to the 2018 elections, the New York Times warned readers of numerous types of deliberate misinformation, sometimes targeting specific voter demographics. These types of disinformation included false information about casting ballots online, by email, and by text message. The circulation of doctored photos in 2016, which claimed Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, Agents were arresting voters at polling places and included threatening language meant to intimidate Latino voters, polling place hoaxes, disinformation on remote voting options, suspicious text, voting machine malfunctions, misleading photos and videos, and false voter broad allegations. Listen to this. This is not Denzel making up shit. This is not me making up shit. In 2013, the state house passed a bill that requires voters to show a photo ID issued by North Carolina, a passport or a military ID card to begin in 2016. Out of state driver's license were to be accepted only if the voter registered within 90 days of the election. 
and a university photo ID card was not acceptable. In July of 2016, a three-judge panel of the Fourth Circuit of Appeals reversed a trial court decision in the number of consolidated actions and struck down the law's photo ID requirement, finding that new voter provisions targeted African Americans with almost surgical precision and that legislators had acted with a clear discriminatory, discriminatory intent in enacting strict election rules, shaping the rules based on data they have received about African-American registration and voting patterns. If your vote doesn't count, right? If you think that voting doesn't matter, if you think that all of this shit is bullshit, then why are there so many instances of organizations in government trying to stop you from voting? If none of this shit matters, if none of this shit is important, if none of this shit means anything, then why are there instances dating back to 1965 and beyond and before that 1965 is when the Voting Rights Act was signed, but be even before that, why are these all of these measures put in place to stop you from voting? What sense does that make? Why, if your vote doesn't matter, if all the shit, if your vote doesn't count and all that bullshit that you're saying, if it doesn't truly matter, then why would these people go through all this time and effort to stop you from voting? Why? If your vote doesn't count, why are these actions being taken to suppress your voice? Why? In the 2016 presidential election, Donald Trump won four states by won four states that were previously won by Obama in 2012. Pennsylvania and Michigan had not voted for a Republican president since voting for George Herbert Walker Bush. That was the first Bush president in 1988. Wisconsin hadn't voted for a Republican since 1984. The 2016 election was effectively decided by 107,000 votes in those three states. In Pennsylvania, Trump by, won by 68,236 votes. In Michigan, Trump won by 11,837 votes. And in Wisconsin, he won by 27,257 votes. How many people in those states that have never voted for a fucking Republican since as early as 1984 said that? Hey, my vote doesn't count. And my vote doesn't make a difference. And I don't like the candidates. And voting doesn't matter. How many of those people do you think said that? Or were actively targeted to try to be silenced? How many do you think? Come on now. Let's use our common sense. Let's use it. It's cool and trendy to be aloof and nonchalant, I guess. I don't know what was the foundation of your thinking. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But basic research can find you this information. 
that the powers that be don't want you to vote because naturally you would vote for causes that affect you. If you live in a low income environment, obviously you want more government money to impact your infrastructure. You want more housing. You want better schools and maybe more government assistance for food stamps, for welfare, etc. Why would they want you to vote for that? When they could keep shit the way it is and not fund us and let us live in the conditions that we do live in already. In our communities, we are profiled. We have poor socioeconomic conditions, poor schools, and we're over policed. That's just a fact. So why knowing all of these things, would you not want to choose people who can best represent you and affect change? Don't be fucking ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Don't be fucking lazy. Stop. This bullshit. You are seeing with this protest, with these protests, with this movement, how powerful the our people are when we are unified. You're literally seeing it. You cannot, to this point, act like you are not seeing it. The power that a unified voice has. So instead of just getting out there protesting and putting shit on your social media and, you know, using your voice on a platform like this, a podcast or any other way. Let's do something that let's take action. Let's let's do something that's actionable. Let's use our voices in an actionable way. Let's vote because you literally can vote for someone who understands your plight, right? Maybe who grew up in the neighborhoods that you grew up in, who understands how poor the schooling is, who understands how poor our environments can be in terms of social and economic measures, who understands over-policing of our environment. A white person in a bubble won't understand that. Just naturally won't understand that. Why wouldn't you want to put someone in who can get money to go into your schools, to go into infrastructure? Why wouldn't you want that? I don't understand why you wouldn't want that. Like. Come on, guys, we got to be better. We got to do better. We're on. We're doing shit. We're making shit happen, using our voices. Let's continue to do so. You don't even have to do it for yourself. I would even say, if you really don't believe in voting, don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for me. Do it for the people who died fighting for this shit for us. Do it for the people who have been unfairly treated by this system in place do it for the people whose lives have been taken by people police and other citizens who felt empowered to do so do don't be don't don't be a fucking contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian it's ignorant it's so fucking ignorant Get informed. Get information. Information is so powerful. 
activate yourself and go fucking vote. Election day for New York City's state and federal primaries is June 23rd, 2020. Go fucking vote. Sometimes you have to take yourself out of a situation. Think of others. Think of others. So don't do it for you if you don't believe it. Don't do it for you. Don't do it for me because I'm triggered at your words to me on social media. Do it for the future kids. Do it for future Americans. Do it for the people who have died for this for you. Do it for your communities. Fuck, do it for little saint shit. Do it for fucking little saint. But make sure you fucking do it. Make sure you do it. Go and vote. It is so important that we vote. It is so important that we vote. And that is that on that. I know the last, um, the last, what, three podcasts have been like, um, like heavy. I know, like I'm, I'm 100% aware, like I'm the one who fucking writes these shows, but like, I just feel that, um, certain shit is really important, you know? And, um, I want to laugh and I want to joke and I want to tell funny stories and make, you know, funny comments and play funny clips and all that shit. I want to I want to do that. Trust me, I want to do that. But just as a person who's living out here and seeing all the shit that's happening. I mean, I guess there's just a time and a place. And as we speak at this moment in time. It's it's not a really a time to to try and be the funniest guy out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not the time. It's just not. So, like, I mean, I'm fully aware, and I know probably it's, it's some of these shows are probably difficult to listen to. And if you do stick with it, I appreciate. I truly appreciate it. Um, you know, I understand that. Like, you know, maybe you want to listen to a podcast to get away from all the shit that's happening that's bubbling but like i just feel like it's it's kind of my responsibility you know i'm a proud black man i'm a proud citizen of the bronx and i live in a neighborhood that is affected by the the poor system in place so you know it's important to me that i i do speak on these things it's very important to me it's just as important to me as I try to highlight the Bronx. I try to, you know, let people know about all the great things happening in the Bronx, how proud I am to be from the Bronx. I'm also I just feel like it's my responsibility to be vocal on issues like this, on police brutality, on unjust killings of black people, on targeting, on profiling and on voting. I just feel like it's my responsibility to do. Um, but, I mean, trust me, I, I would love to have a great hour of jokey joke podcast. But sometimes, you know, you just got to know the time and the place. And this is the time and the place to be real and to be serious about shit happening. So 
with all that being said, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S Neighborhood, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is Rogers Neighborhood, R-O-D-G-E-R-S Neighborhood, N-G-H-B-R-H-D. There are no vowels in Neighborhood on Twitter. Um, I'm saying it and I'm repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly for questions, comments, concern, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me, even opinions like uh, the ones I received on voting. And I, and I, and I want to make sure that I'm not attacking those people who think that way. I just want to present you with a different perspective. I just want to make that clear. But. Um, I want to answer some of the questions that I have received um, because I'm just so happy that you guys listen and that you guys send them in. So here we go. First one says, what are your favorite stand up comedy specials? Now you speak in my language. This is the shit that I love. I love stand up comedy. I love comedy. Stand up comedy uh, is amazing. So I have a list here. Um, I have, I'm going to go from five to one. I have a top five. Um, and here we go. Number five, Neil Brennan, three mics that came out in 2017. Was it 2017 or 2000? Yeah. 2017. It came out. Neil Brennan is, uh, most notably, Dave Chappelle's co-writer on Chappelle Show. Co-writer, co-producer, co-director on Chappelle Show. And in his Netflix special, Three Mics, it's three separate mics. So each time he's on a different mic, it's supposed to showcase three different types of uh, styles of comedy. So on the first mic, he does like one-liners, like just one-line punchlines. The second mic, he does traditional stand-up comedy and the third mic he really gets introspective and talks about his mental illnesses his issues with fame celebrity and you know real emotional shit so it's like it's awesome it's really good i've never seen stand-up perform that way so i put it at number five even though it's really recent 2019 because it's just really transformative in the way stand-up comedy is performed and i really fucked with that Number four is Chris Rock, Bring the Pain from, was that 1996? I had Brigger and Blacker, and I had Bring the Pain. I had to decide between the two. Um, but, yeah, bring Chris Rock, Bring the Pain. You already know the vibes, man. Chris Rock is one of the greats. And I love that Chris Rock is just not afraid to talk about blackness and politics and uncomfortable shit. And, he all, you know, he's got that real high-pitched voice. But, you know, and he just makes it all come together. Like, he's a pure, pure stand-up comedian. I love Chris Rock. Number three is Martin Lawrence, You So Crazy. That was 19, what was that, 1994? And that was one of the, that was one of the, like, that was, like, Martin at his best, in my opinion. Um, You know, he took, like, he was, like, very physically comedic, as in, like, he would run and jump around. He was also, like, poignant. When he talked about racism and he talked about that was around the time of like race riots and Rodney King and shit. And he was also like he talked to had like a lot of relationship jokes 
it was great and he had he wore like this all leather i don't know about black comedians in the 80s and 90s but they love leather <laughs> he wore like this all leather outfit and it was it was great it was a great stand-up special um that's number three number two is i have two for number two because i can't just pick one richard pryor live on the sunset strip and richard pryor live in concert um live on the sunset strip was his last stand-up special and live in concert i believe was like third to last or second to last both amazing both really worth watching and of course number one dave shafuckin'pell um, I have two for Dave Chappelle as well. For what it's worth, that was 2004, and The Age of Spin, that was 2017, his comeback. So 2004 was his stand-up special right before he left Chappelle's show, and then he disappeared. And then 2017 was The Age of Spin, him coming back to the scene. Um, and both amazing, amazing shows. Honorable mention, though, to Eddie Griffin, my G, and Cat Williams. Eddie Griffin... Um, dysfunctional family that was really funny really talked about like his family and shit and cat williams um it's pimping pimping that was in oh year was that oh eight i think because obama just got elected yeah oh eight so shout out to those guys amazing stand-up comedians and also if you guys haven't seen it i encourage you to watch dave Chappelle 846 it is available on youtube for free um, it's not really stand up. It's just a talk. It's like a 30 minute talk with Dave Chappelle. And he's it's really current He's talking about all the shit happening in the world. It's real shit. And it's awesome. I want to play a clip for you from Dave Chappelle 846. Please watch it is free and available on YouTube. This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes. And 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was going to die. People watched it. People filmed it. And for some reason that I still don't understand, all these fucking police had their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying that you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of God. That's what is happening right now. It's not for a single cop. It's for all of it. Fucking all of it. It's real shit, man. It's real shit. Shout out to Dave Chappelle. He's, he's just the man. He's the man. He's the fucking man. That's all I can say. I don't have any... I, kinder words to say Dave Chappelle is the fucking man and he just continuously proves that he's the man so I encourage everyone to watch that it's not comedy I want to let you guys know that it's not a comedy special it's just Dave Chappelle on a stage um, 
and just talking about shit happening right now. It's super current. Um, the next one says, what is, damn, wow, okay. <laughs> what is the saddest song ever made? Well, shit, man, that's a little depressing. I'm already acknowledging these podcasts are super heavy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got some, somebody is in their bag right now. They're in their emo bag. Um, I'll oblige. I think that the saddest song ever made, hmm, what's the saddest? In my opinion, the saddest song ever made is by Niles Barkley. It's called Who's Gonna Save My Soul? Um, Niles Barkley is CeeLo Green and DJ Danger Mouse. Um, they have two albums together, St. Elsewhere and The Odd Couple. And it's off The Odd Couple. It's called Who's Gonna Save My Soul? It's a really, really sad fucking song. And CeeLo has that voice to where he can really be upbeat and shit that he's like, wow, okay, I fuck with that. And then, but he can also use his voice very well and be very melancholy and sad. So that was a great, that's a great sad song. So if I guess you in your bag and you want to cry about something, turn that on. That'll get the waterworks flowing for sure. For sure. And then the video was really sad. It was two people at a diner a man and a woman, and they appear to be breaking up. And the guy is like, I guess, distraught. He takes a knife off the the diner counter, cuts his chest, and rips his heart out and puts it on the plate. And then the heart starts singing as CeeLo, and at the end of the video, the heart dies. It's really sad. So um, I guess y'all, you and your sad bag, so... <laughs> Be my guest. That shit will make you cry. Um, but shout out to CeeLo. Shout out to Danger Mouse. Shout out to Nas Barkley. And shout out to you for being sad. <laughs> shout out to you, man, for being sad. Um, the next one says, you said before that you gave up drinking alcohol. What is one thing that you cannot see yourself giving up anytime soon? Uh, wow. I would say that I'm not going to give up drinking coffee anytime soon. I love my coffee. I love my coffee. That is part of my morning routine. Have to have my coffee. Uh, In the summertime, in the hot months, I make my coffee at night. I put it in the refrigerator so I can get cold. Drink it in the morning with some ice cubes. Ice coffee right there. Bang. That's my cold brew. And in the winter, I always have my hot cup. It's just part of my day. Just got to have my coffee. And if I don't have my coffee, I'm either tired or I'm really like not in a great mood. So I would like, you know, you've seen the people say, oh, you know, I haven't had my coffee, shit like that. Like, that's a thing. Like for me, if I don't have my coffee in the morning, it's like I'm affected by it. So definitely coffee. Definitely, 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 definitely coffee. The only way I will stop drinking coffee is if I literally go to the doctor and they say, you know, it's affecting you, your physical health. But other than that, I need my coffee for sure. And the last one says, what keeps you motivated? After 20 straight episodes, 20 straight weeks of work, what makes you keep, what keeps you coming in every week and keep recording and keep, keep potting? Wow. Damn. Now, you see, like, I'm trying actively not to be long winded. Like, I just had a fucking 30 minute soliloquy about voting. Like, I just (laughs) like that shit signify to you that, like, 
I can talk for a long time. And these fucking podcasts, I obviously want people to listen to, but I'm kind of like burdened by the fact that I want to talk a lot and people's attention spans just naturally are short. So I don't know how many people want to hear a fucking three hour podcast, but I'm still going to answer this question in a very long way. I appreciate you asking. Um, I'm going to try to shorten this answer, but it's going to be a long answer. I already know it is. Um, but to answer what keeps me motivated to keep potting. Well, I'm really, really passionate about this shit. I really love this shit. Like I really love this platform. I really love this type of expression through words. Like I'm not a great artist. I'm not like in terms of music, I'm not a great music artist. I'm not a great picture artist. I can't draw, you know, but this is like, I feel like this is my art, like the ability to speak. Um, And it's like, I've lived my whole life. I've never felt as passionate about something as I feel about this. Um, You know, in school, I was never passionate about school. Um, (laughs) My teachers would say, all I do is talk. I was just excited to see my friends, you know, any job I've ever had, I would just try my best to master it and then try to, once I have the job mastered, like once I know the ins and outs of the job, I would actively try to do less and less and less, you know, because it's like, fuck, you know, fuck this. Like, I don't really care about it. I just like money. Right. And it doesn't, it wasn't until I started making these shows or figuring out that this is something that I wanted to do in the process of making it happen. Did I not understand what true passion about something was, you know, like even with like relationships, girls and all that, like I never really like wanted to be the best Denzel. If that makes sense. Like I've never felt so much passion about something, you know, like the wheels about like everything that goes into the show is like real thought, real dedication, real time put in, you know, it's real, real shit. And it's just like, I, since I realized that about this, I'm not trying to take any shortcuts or any, um, any, any, um, I don't even know the word. <laughs> now I'm not trying to put my best foot forward every time. Every time I record, I want to put my best foot forward. I'm not trying to half-ass it. I'm not trying to bullshit it. I'm trying I want to do my best every time. And it's it's a great thing to figure out what you're really really into and what you really 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 love. You know, I'm blessed to have found it at this point and to have the wherewithal and to make the resources to make this happen. Um, So the motivation is just within the passion, you know, because I love this shit so much and I've been doing it for the last 20 weeks. Like, I just want to keep doing it. I want to keep getting better. And like the wheels are always turning. The wheels are always spinning. I'm always thinking of things and how to make formulate ideas and get my thoughts down on paper and express them coherently. And then I'm thinking about, all right, marketing and promo and what could be, what can I also, can I incorporate with the shows? 
like how can I consistently change and adapt and grow and all that shit. The bottom line is the passion. That's the thing that's going to keep it going. The passion, the passion, the passion. And I have that shit and it's great. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. Like, um, I mean, I, I just, you know, you, you don't think like, I can't say at 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, that this was ever going to be a thing for me. Right. And it just so happened to everything happen in this way. And now I'm here and I'm just so glad that I've gotten here, you know? So motivation is easy when you're really passionate. That's how I can really put it in a box for you. Motivation is really easy or it's really, it's not hard to be motivated when you're really passionate about something, you know? Um, and I'm just glad that I found it, right? You never know when you're gonna, when it's gonna hit you in the head what you feel like your life's purpose is, your life's purpose is. But when it does, you know, it hits you. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know where this podcast is gonna take me. I don't know what the future is for me. I just know that I love doing it. And you know you love doing something when you work hard at it, but it doesn't feel like work. So I work really hard on this shit, but it doesn't feel like work. You know, so um, in that very long-winded way, I guess I could just say what keeps me motivated is the passion that I have for it. The passion that I have for this platform keeps me motivated. And it will continue to keep me motivated the more and more and more I get acclimated or accustomed to this platform. So thank you again, guys, for the questions. I really, truly appreciate them. 20 up, 20 down. You guys listen. You guys engage. You guys give feedback, constructive criticism. I really, truly appreciate it. And I look forward to engaging with you guys more and more. Um over the social media platforms and i'm very thankful that people do listen to this show um and have supported me and have given me so much love in this 20-week process that it's been on this platform and i really appreciate it so thank you again to everyone out there who listens who gives feedback and who sends questions and who supports me and who loves me and who um just is happy that I'm doing this now in my life. Thank you to everyone out there. Next on the docket, I want to say rest in peace, rest in power to Rayshard Brooks. I didn't have, I believe, I, either this broke after I finished recording or I didn't have enough time to s- just give a few minutes to it on, on the platform. Last episode, um, Rayshard Brooks was a man in Atlanta who was killed. Um, during a confrontation outside of Wendy's fast food joint. Um, and it's really sad because a video, I guess, to a large degree has desensitized people to happenings, to nasty happenings or to flagrant things that occur because we just constantly see it and see it and see it and see it and see it. But I will never be desensitized to a guy who's to watching someone lose their life like that will never I will never be 
desensitized to that or numb to that. You know what I'm saying? Never. Um, basically, the meat and potatoes is it of it is um, an officer named Garrett Rolf um, killed Rayshard Brooks. Um, man, I it's just it's really just it's just sad. Um, basically, Rayshard Brooks was under the influence of alcohol. And um, instead of driving home, instead of um, risking his life or risking the lives of others, trying to drive while drunk, he fell asleep in the parking lot of a Wendy's. Um, the police were called and um, he, from what I saw, from what I saw, he basically was coherent he was even though he was under the influence which he admitted he was um cooperate very cooperative with the police officers and he said listen i don't want any trouble with y'all i don't want to do anything to you know be in poor standing with y'all i will walk home i i will not operate my vehicle i will leave it and i will walk just let me go he didn't do anything wrong. He made a good decision. Instead of risking it and driving home, driving drunk, potentially killing himself or killing others or hurting others, he said, "Look, I'm I am under the influence. Instead of I will leave my vehicle and I will walk." Um the Fulton County District Attorney Paul L. Howard Jr. stated for 41 minutes and 17 seconds, he followed their instructions. He answered their questions. He was never informed that he was under arrest for driving under the influence. He wasn't driving. And in the emotional news conference on Monday, Mr. Brooks's family urged prosecutors to bring charges to the police department and overhaul his practices. The trust we have for for the police force is broken, and the only way to heal some of these wounds is through conviction and a drastic change in the police department, his cousin Tiara Brooks said. We are tired. I am tired, and we are frustrated and heartbroken, so we need justice for Rayshard Brooks. Um, the former officer Garrett Rolfe faces 11 charges, including felony murder and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon for the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks, prosecutor said um, at a news conference on Wednesday. The prosecutors also said Mr. Rolfe, who was white, shot Mr. Brooks twice in the back and then declared, I got him and kicked Mr. Brooks as he lay on the ground. It's just really sad. It's just. It's just really sad. And then you see, like, this is why I'm so triggered by people telling me that they're not going to vote for whatever reasons that they have. You could literally use your voice and put someone in who overhauls the policing of minority neighborhoods. You could literally use your voice and just say, instead of just saying RIP on social media or or on a podcast, you could literally go out figure out which candidates support the causes that you support and put them in a position of power to where they can enact change in your environment. Like, so Rayshard Brooks doesn't have to happen. So 
you know, these other killings don't have to happen. George Floyd doesn't have to happen. And um, it's sad. It's just sad because a police officer, when you think about it, and I've said it before, a police officer is a public servant. Their job is to protect the public and to serve the public. A police officer's salary is paid by the public taxes. So naturally, you would think the police are called for a man who fell asleep in the parking lot of a, of a fast food establishment in Wendy's. He comes out, he's very cooperative, he's not combative, he's, and he's telling you, listen, I don't want to drive, I don't want to hurt anybody, I'm willing to walk to where I got to be. Why wouldn't you just offer him a ride home? Why wouldn't you say, hey, I, listen, I appreciate that you did that, that you did not drive drunk, that you, that you were able to understand that driving drunk is very unsafe. How about we give you a ride home? Leave your key or take your keys with you tomorrow in the morning or in the afternoon. Come and collect your vehicle. That makes sense. That is the job of a public servant. It, there's no other even way to slice it. If I'm talking to you for 41 seconds, I admit to you that I'm under the influence. I did not want to drive because it's unsafe. You recognize that and I follow your commands for 40 minutes and you still kill me. What does that say? What does that say? You know what I'm saying? Like, even when you're cooperative, like, guys, first, let me say it again. Rest in peace to Rayshard Brooks. Rest in peace. And um, this is the shit that's still happening, man. This is the shit that's still happening. A black, black skin should not be a death sentence. That's what I want to say. That's what I want to really hone in on. Black skin should not be a death sentence. And when you literally are trying every measure to not be killed and you're still killed, it's not just an isolated incident. The shit has been going on too long for, for people to think that. This is a, a systematic program designed to eliminate black people, whether it be mass incarceration, whether it be economic condition, or whether it be encounters with police. And that's just the truth. It's the truth. It's the hard truth. So um, this man has been charged with these account with these assault uh a felony murder charges and this aggravated assault charges i hope he was brought to justice put underneath the jail and um my prayers love and condolences go out to his family the family of rashad brooks all you have to do is take him home that's it i don't know it's sad it's just really sad it's really sad um, people shouldn't die um, um, just for for reasons like that. People shouldn't die. People shouldn't lose their lives for things like that. Um, so it's sad. It's just sad. It's just really sad. Um, 
And uh, I just hope that this is a cautionary tale for people. One, I want to say don't call police. Like, I've never called the police. I, I never will, probably. Because nothing good happens when you call them. Because they just can't do their jobs well. And if this was any other position, if you worked at the bank and you constantly gave people out the wrong money, you would get fired. If you worked at the grocery store and you constantly stocked the shelves incorrectly, you would get fired. If you worked at the sneaker store, the shoe store, and you didn't maintain your sales quota, you would get fired. If you worked at a any job where you didn't do your job properly, you would be fired. So I don't have I want to see these policemen and women be held accountable for their actions. To the utmost extent, firings and to be prosecuted to the complete extent of the law, because you have no problem doing it to black people. So fuck the badge. Fuck the badge. Fuck, fuck the badge. The badge don't mean shit to me. It's not an. It's not a, a license. A badge is not a license to kill. And that's that on that. I want to leave it there. I just want to leave it there. Rest in peace to Rayshard Brooks. Prayers, love, and condolences to your family. Prayers, love, and condolences to your family. Last on the docket, I just want to say thank you again to everyone out there who listens. I'm very proud to have recorded and distributed 20 episodes of the Bronx Bias Podcast. Um, I'm very proud. I'm very, very proud. Not and, and by no means, I mean, I'm satisfied with just 20 and that I'm cool with just 20. I'm just saying that the the work it takes just to make one, the work you have to do even before you press record and to do it for 20 weeks straight, to have the courage to leave my former employer and to dedicate myself to this, I want to stop and give myself a pat on the back and say I'm very proud of it. And I just want the overall theme of this show is, one, your voice is important. Your voice matters. Um, I want to give the homies a voice. I want to empower other people to, to, to let them know that there's other ways to pursue your passions. You don't have to do the cookie cutter traditional way. You don't have to believe that you have to do the illegal activities to get some money. You know, you if you believe in something, go for it and you will see positive results. I truly believe that. Um, and I look forward to keep potting and keep recording and keep doing my best on this show. I'm so happy. I'm just so happy that um, I'm able to do this, you know, and that I figured it out when I did. Um, And I'm going to try my best to uh, keep the output high, keep the content high, the quality level high. I want to have a little more fun on the show. The last few shows have been very heavy, um, been very sad and very melancholy. I want to try for my next episodes to have more fun stories and more, maybe uh, more fun uh, topics. 
Um, it's just right now, it's not really a time for that. You know, I understand the the um, the climate right now. It's not a time for jokey jokes, even though I understand that people want to use a podcast to escape. But um, I will try in the next episodes to be more lighthearted about things. Um, and uh, man, I'm just very appreciative for everyone who listens and for the 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 way that this podcast possibly can affect people. I'm just very thankful for that. So that will wrap it up. Episode number 20 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. Go out and vote. I'm recording this on June the 20th, 2020, Election Day. Again, for New York City, it's June the 23rd, 2020. Go out and vote. Make sure your voice is heard. Your voice matters. Your voice is important. They do not want you to believe that. But it is true. Your voice fucking matters and it is important. Um, I'm going to fade you out with a great song. It's called Paradise by Big Sean off the album Dark Sky Paradise. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast episode number 20. We are out. to start so hard. I always want to ride that whip. Always. I always want to fuck that bitch. Thank you, God, I fuck that bitch. God. I always want to live this life. I always want to wear that ice. Always. I always want a paradise. I always want a paradise. Now nah, it don't take a lot to make you rich. I'm addicted to a lot of crazy shit. But I feel like money is the best drug. Sometimes hate can be the best love. Walking in like I got cameras on me. Niggas can't control me. Ain't no handles on me. Shit don't get out of hand. They get handled, homie. Got a pretty young girl look like Janet on me. She a pretty penny and she know I'm doing numbers till we crash up the whole database. I bring it home like I'm base to base to base. Cause I'm looking like planet of the bay the next. What you think this life just landed on me? My whole city look like it's abandoned, homie. And we came straight out of those abandoned homies. Every wish we ever had got granted, homie. And I never take that shit for granted. Even when the marble flowing kind of toppers are granted. Back before I got paid any advances. Back when my rollie was thinking no dancing. Niggas never did. I slip or I panic. Even if I was a captain of Titanic. Riding through the North Atlantic, homie. I never jump crew or abandoned, homie All the fruits of my label organic, homie Making sure my family tree got hammocks on it And that good guy can change Especially if you short change So fuck is my ransom, homie Money back, money back, money back 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 I always wanted to stunt so hard. I always wanted to ride that whip. I always wanted to fuck that bitch. Thank you, God, I fucked that bitch. I always wanted to live that life. I always wanted to wear that ice. I always wanted a paradise. I always wanted a paradise. Straight up. Finally famous, nigga. Damn, I'm illuminating.
eliminated. Man, I knew I'd make it, and I get that shit accumulated. Never throwing money out a boomerang. And finally, famous over everything. That's enumerated. We lit, yeah, it's illuminated. Room looking like a fumigated. Bitch, my crew invaded. When I walk in, man, they body to body. Hold up, everybody, don't worry, man. I got it, I got it. I need a hundred dollar bill, photocopy, the email, and copy. Man, I'm going hard all season. These hoes going both ways. Offense, defense, living life on the deep end. FF allegiance, beat the odds and got even. But you think that we just started, nigga? Boy, the sword just got sharpened, nigga. This ain't war, we just sparring, nigga. I was on the rooftop with my nigga, my Carson, nigga. Shooting that two big video, my nigga, we all in. We set ourselves apart from all our apartments. Was up in Florida, no Marlins, nigga. I'm that shine, no Marlin, nigga. Look at my girl, nigga. Fuck your bailers, fuck your nightlist, fuck your daylist, fuck your playlist. I'm from the D, fuck your waitlist. I've been working eight days a week. I don't even know what the fuck today is. I hit the booth and I just went super saying I run with the perp like I play with the Ravens. These bitches ran a raven. Hope I never have to go back watching. Everybody loves Raymond, eating Raymond, nigga. This paradise, like some fucking paradox at paradise. If they not rolling with you, then they parasites, nigga. I had that vision, it was clear sight, nigga. Shine down.